Because the whole world gone crazy! Just please, go nuts. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I mean, really, explore the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down there somewhere. Let me take another one. <laughs> Just please, go nuts. I'm working on it, dude. I'm only on Gateway Tape Park 6. Four more. Here we are. Welcome back, everybody. We're back in the house. Back in the house. Yeah, everybody, we're back in the studio. We're doing another episode. Thank you so much for tuning back in once more, week after week, to Beautiful Animals Podcast. Beautiful Animals Podcast is back. We're back and bigger and badder than ever. I'm one of the hosts, Tyler Cole. And I'm the other host. Andy Bob. Andy fucking Bob. Host number two. We got our radio voices on today. We're fucking cool. Yeah. We're so cool. Anyway, <laughs> thank you thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in once again. From the deepest bottom, bottom darkest well of my heart, I thank you. From the bottom of my bottom, I thank you. From the deepest recesses of the Tyler's bagel. We've really, we've really been having a good time putting together topics for you, and thanks for listening. Yeah, guys, we've done a lot of soul searching. We've <laughs> searching done a lot of our own souls, other people's souls. We've done a little bit. Of- anyway, thanks, guys, for for putting up with our shit and for joining us once again for another episode. Also, I just want to say special shout out to all you guys who um, have sent in feedback and responded to our queries and requests about your different personality types. Oh yeah, That's super fun. And all of you guys who just, uh, you know who you are, call me after listening to each episode <laughs> so we can hash it out about the topics. I love that stuff. So if you have my personal number. If you don't it have already, it, I'll yeah. give it out. It's uh, seven. Uh, yeah, there are ways, yeah. dude. <laughs> there are figure ways. it out. <laughs> yeah, but, slide uh, into our DMs, man. Yeah, just dude. Slide into our DMs. Send us an email. Where, at, where should they slide into our DMs? Oh, at uh, beautiful.animals.pod on Instagram. At Hell yeah. Beautifulanimalspodcast at gmail.com is yes. our email. Yeah. Send us your thoughts, ideas for topics, pictures of your feet, funny stories you want to hear us tell on the yeah, air. Yeah, we will absolutely tell your stories about cryptid encounters, weird feelings, yeah, or just experiences weird shit. of astral projection, or hauntings. Yeah. Any and all of those. Also, just let us know, know you're out there, man. Tell send us, us send us examples of beautiful animals in your life. Oh yeah, they could be your pets doing cool shit or people. Oh, actually, yeah. Send us pictures of your pets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm into that. Also, people doing good in the world because we all need a little more levity. We all need a little more optimism. We all need to know in our hearts that we are good. We're good. And anyway, <laughs> today we're going to talk. We're going to talk about a book that doesn't necessarily sound good. Like a nice person book, but it is a nice, good person book. What's the name of that book? That book is called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've heard of it. By Dale Carnegie. It does kind of sound a little bit manipulative in the title there. like Yeah, every time we talk about it, I want to say it sounds Machiavellian. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because that's one of those terms that's in our... Uh, we're going to have to unpack that. Yeah, because I don't know what the fuck it means. Uh, Machiavelli, I think, was a person in Italy who, mm-hmm. I guess, manipulated people really yeah. well. But guess what? Everybody who listens to us, we're going to, this is the whole point of this podcast. If I don't really know something about Machiavelli, guess what's going to happen next episode? Maybe we're going to fuck that. around and find out. We're going to find out everything you get to there listen is to, us to know. Get dumber and smarter at the same time. That's right. And poorer and richer at the same time. <laughs> richer in spirit. Today's episode is about how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. This book was written oh. back in, during the Great Depression. But just from the name, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I I judged it by its cover, one yeah. may say, and thought that it was more of like a uh, like how to manipulate people in sort yeah. of an immoral yeah. way. It sounds kind of manipulative and it's like Yeah, it's it's actually it's such a good 
book. I mean, um, not all, I don't I don't mean like a good like a good book to read. I mean good ethically, morally good. Like oh, it yeah. is a good book. Yeah. The, the guy is a good guy. One of the things, one of the excerpt, uh, just a little excerpt from the book. So Dale Carnegie was, uh, you know, he basically like went around and did TED talks before there were TED talks to people that were in kind of the budding professional sphere in America in the 20s and 30s. And he gives this example of um, one of his tenants. We're going to get into them all. Uh, here very soon but one of them is because he basically has all these these tenets of different qualities you should pursue and then anecdotes illustrating their effects and why they're worthwhile so in one of them he he's going to the post office his regular you know on his it's part of his regular routine every tuesday and thursday or whatever he goes to the post office picks up the stuff drops off whatever and he notices that the mail clerk is like typically a pretty depressed seeming dude so dale carnegie he challenges himself he says, hey, I'm going to make this guy like me. Like, I'm going to make this guy, at the very least, when I come in, have a good day. Right? And so he goes up to the guy, and he says to him, man, I sure wish I had your head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, looks up, like, all surprised. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Hey, it's not, you know, not quite as full and thick as it used to be, but thank you. And, and he's like, oh, man, I'm sure it's... Um, it, even if it's lost his luster, it still sure beats what I got. Like, I wish I had that thing. And the guy smiles and he's stoked because, like, uh, this is one of his tenets is, like, admire someone, genuinely ad- admire something about another person in yeah. order to make them feel better. It's not just complimenting people, but it's it's actually sharing a note of genuine admiration because nobody wants to be, like, have hot air blown up their ass about whatever. <laughs> yeah, because usually it's pretty... Yeah, or like, pretty at least vapid or... If I were to give a compliment, usually I'd be like, well... The person that you know I'm full of shit, so I'm just not even going to do it. Yeah, so don't do that. He says don't do that at all. Like, don't give a compliment if you can't find a real one to give, but odds are you can find a real one to give. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's telling this he's telling this anecdote to a class, right, because he was teaching a class on professional development and um, human relations in the workplace, and he's giving these talks, some, somewhat like TED Talks. And so he, he shares this anecdote about making this postal worker happy. And one of the guys in the audience raises his hand and he's like, okay, so what were you trying to get out of him? And he goes on this little rant in the book. He's like, if we have really become so shallow <laughs> that we don't see the value in just trying to make everyone around us a happier human being, if everything you do, anytime you bring a smile to someone's face, it has to be a transactional situation where you're getting something out of the deal then I hope you find the failure you deserve. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's what I mean. That That's the author of the book. He's a good guy. And he, and he tries to prove to everybody listening that if you're a better guy, if you're a nicer person, if you're a nicer boss, if you're a more caring individual in your work life and you put some mindfulness and intention and work into it, it's going to bear results professionally and you're going to be happier and everyone around you is going to be happier. So like everything's going to be better. And that's <laughs> yeah. like the main thrust of the book is like, be fucking nice. And that's it. That's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. All right. <laughs> Drink some fucking water. Fuck around. Find out. Bye. Yeah. Drink some water. I don't care. Juice it. We're going to go through it a little bit. It's broken into several parts. We're going to get through at least part one and part two today, and maybe that's it. Maybe we'll get through part three and part four as well, because I just realized there was six parts, and I thought that there were only three. So <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah. so we're going to talk about some of the tenets of this book, because I think, it, at least personally, I was kind of avoiding this book, even though it's been recommended by numerous people in the professional space 
as a tool to become a better leader and better uh, team member in the professional sphere. I avoided it for a long time because it seemed like yeah. it was about manipulating people. Yeah. And it's not. It's about being a better person and how being a nicer and better person in the world is going to end up making your life and your job easier. So I wouldn't know anything about being a good person. Well. I've never tried it. You're a beautiful animal. Oh. That's all you need. <laughs> At least I'm not a hideous fucker. <laughs> Part one is basically the fundamentals. You know, we'll go through it, but it's basically like, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Part two is six ways to make people like you, and we're going to go through each one of those six ways. Part three is 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Starting to sound a little... A little manipulative. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that this is something you can use to, you know, promote your own ideas and have them gain more traction in a group setting. Which, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes you need to, and it's hopefully, the idea is that you're approaching it from a moral standpoint. Yeah. And that if you're going to use these tools to have your ideas take prominence, let them be ethically sound (laughs) and appropriate ideas. Part four is nine ways to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment, which he boils down to be a good leader. Mm. So, because that's basically what it is. Change people without giving offense or resounding resentment. That's how to be a leader. And then part five and six, part five is uh, listener emails. Basically, it's letters that produce miraculous results. <laughs> and part six is seven rules for making your home life happier. And we, I, I think we're going to kind of skip over those too, but they're interesting as well. Part six is is especially interesting, I think, from a historical standpoint, because this was written in the 20s, so it's all advice about home life in the 20s. So it'd be kind of fun, maybe we'll do this as a bonus episode, to kind of rewrite each chapter uh, with modern, or not each chapter, but just part six, where he's talking about the different things at home. I actually was going to say, yeah, because I was planning on reading this book one time, once upon a time. Yeah. And so I checked it out from the library, yeah. but it wasn't the same book. It was written by somebody else. It's basically that book, but adapted for modern online communication, online business communication. So it's like, oh, I would love to yeah. read that. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I didn't. I mean, I was like, oh fuck, it's not the book that I wanted. Right. So I didn't read it very thoroughly. But Do you remember what it was called? You want to look it up? Yeah, it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age. Oh. Which, yeah, it even still says it's by Dale Carnegie, but like, I mean, it's presumably, just kind of updated. Yeah. yeah, presumably he died long before the digital age even started. So, do you want to guess when he died? Because I can I tell do. you. Uh, I'm gonna guess 1962. Not bad. 1955. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he certainly wasn't writing about the digital age in 1955. <laughs> he sure wasn't. No, and he wrote this book in 1937. It's cool, though, because the, the way he put this book together, he goes through it in the intro, is actually something that I was talking about doing uh, for a podcast, which is, like, he he went and read, like, all the biogra- biographies of all these famous leaders, read all their autobiographies, like, did a bunch of historical research on on basically leaders and successful people and what set them apart and what made them different. Yeah. And that's what he put this book together based on. Okay. Which is really interesting because I think if you think... I don't know. I, I guess I can only speak for myself, but thinking about like great leaders throughout history, you don't necessarily think of them as nice people. Yeah. So m- maybe he injected the morality part a little bit, but but maybe we're wrong. I mean, at least to the people around them, they were nice people and they were engaging people and they were caring people at the very least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if their agendas were not better for the world at large, in particular. Yeah. Examples. So we're just gonna get right into the meat of it, yeah. You want to listen? You want to so. hear about how to influence, uh, how to win friends and influence people? I suppose let's start with part one. I mean, what's a better place to start let's than start that? Let's start with part one. Part one begins with the old adage, if you want to gather honey, 
don't kick over the beehive. <laughs> Which uh, he uses a couple anecdotes to illustrate it, but I think a couple anecdotes. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there are a lot of different ways to say this. Like, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Oh yeah, yeah. Basically, like in any organization, you're trying to get some work done. Like throwing a tantrum or like yeah. sabotaging everything or telling mm-hmm. everyone they're pieces of shit. It's not going to, you're not yeah. going to get what you want. Yeah, I thought you were saying that he had several anecdotes just about specifically smacking bees with a hammer. He did, yeah. He said trying to hit a bee with a hammer is the most <laughs> fruitless uh, <laughs> pursuit. No, he doesn't specifically talk about trying to hit a bee <laughs> with a hammer, but mostly similar items. He begins the story by talking about this, like, famous cop killer, this guy. He was <laughs> called Two-Gun Crowley because he used two two shooters, two guns, right. you know. There was this huge shootout in New York where he was, like, holed up in this building, and they were shooting machine guns at him and all this stuff. Yeah. In the 30s. The, all that to illustrate, like, when Crowley, who's this, he's a cop killer, he's a murderer, he's a robber, you know, he's not a nice person. Yeah, he's a real knucklehead. He's a real knucklehead. So even someone to that degree of depravity and violence when asked about himself said i have a gentle and caring spirit i wouldn't hurt a fly (laughs) even though he shot a cop in the head (laughs) at a traffic stop anyway so the point being you're not necessarily going to get what you want from somebody just because you're right and they're wrong that makes sense yeah if someone this guy crowley he's you know clearly from the outside a, a bad person uh he's a murderer right yeah but on the inside he's motivated by different goals than what appear to us right and he thinks of himself as a good person that kind of is the foundation of carnegie's whole approach which is when you're trying to get your way when you're trying to get a promotion or you want your rent reduced or you want uh to not pay some fees that comcast is charging you for or whatever <laughs> It's not going to, it typically won't help you. It's less effective to come in kind of guns blazing and be like, you, you did wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Make it, make it just in my eyes. Oh yeah. Instead. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. And we're going to go through them. You want to appeal to what's going to motivate that person. What motivates that person is, is not feeling like they're wrong. You got to kind of try and figure out what it is that does motivate them and then appeal to that side of them. In a way that's going to get what you want. So you got to come at it sideways. Mm-hmm. you got to do a flanking maneuver on their emotions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Emotional flank. I've definitely worked in restaurants a lot, and like, yeah, when the customer's being a real jerk, that makes me want to help them less. But if they just point out nicely where, where I fucked up, then I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll correct it right now. Oh, absolutely. And he actually yeah. uses that as an example. Yeah. If you order a steak and you ask for French fries and they bring out a steak with mashed potatoes, <laughs> yeah. like yelling at the server... <laughs> Isn't going to do anything. Yeah, you just say, hey, but I you say, Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I don't want to bother you. I know you're yeah. busy, but I did order the French fries instead of the mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Let me take care of that. And they usually say, yeah, hang on to those mashed potatoes. I'll bring you some French fries. I'll bring you some French fries right now for, for free, free on me. Part one, he lays out the foundation in, th- in, in three sections. He calls them, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. Throwing a fit and, you know, yelling and screaming isn't going to get you what you want, right? Part two is the big secret of dealing with people. That's just kind of his overview of, like, listen, you got to figure out what motivates people and then speak to that thing in order to get them, in order to have a, a easier time and to get what you want. And if you're pleasant about it the whole time, people are much more willing to work with you. Uh, the third part is he who can do this has the whole world with him, and he who cannot walks alone. That's more of like the salesman aspect. It's getting people to want what you want by showing them 
that it gives them what they want too. Generating a, people talk about win-win situations, maybe too much, but being able to create a win-win situation out of what you're trying to get done so that the other person who you're trying to get do whatever they're trying to do sees what's in it for them. Anyway, it starts out part two, six ways to make people like you. Do you want to learn six ways to make people like you, Tyler? I'll learn about four of them, I think. Uh, I mean, okay. I don't have all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Six ways to make people like you. Principle one, become genuinely interested in other people. I love this one because he doesn't assume that everyone is genuinely interested in other people because they're not. Yeah. But he is saying as a very baseline, as principle one of how to win friends and influence people is... Become interested in other people. Don't be a selfish piece of shit. Like, actually become interested in other people. So most of the things that follow in this book involve identifying what's important to that human being. And if you're not looking at other human beings as human beings and you're not paying attention to what it is that they like, what it is that they care about, etc., you're not going to be able to do that. So you're not going to be able to engage in any of the techniques that are going to get you what you want anyway. And it makes you a better person from the get-go. Yeah. Because if you actually care about people, you're a better person. Yeah. And most people like talking about themselves. It's a lot easier to, for them to do that if they're asked about it. Exactly. At least, uh, you know, yeah, get what, the conversation going and yeah. they get them to talk about themselves and then and they'll they're, they won't shut the hell up eventually. That's exa- That's <laughs> actually principle four oh. of this same chapter. Yeah. yeah. I mean- he breaks it out into six principles, but they're pr- they're pretty much all kind of related, which yeah. is, um, but yeah, you just spoke to principle four, which is be a good listener, encourage others to talk about themselves. Yeah. And you're right. Like, it's a lot easier to talk about yourself if you're prompted, if someone's asking questions, if someone's yeah. showing genuine interest. If I'm like, tell me about, I remember we were talking the other day about, we were talking about the personality types. Yeah. And I think yours was like, this person might be interested in geology or, and music or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And you're like, what? This is exactly like me. <laughs> so if you can kind of identify yeah. by reading somebody's uh, profile on 16 personalities or by <laughs> hanging out with them a lot, the things they're interested in, then maybe when I ask you questions like, hey, have you been practicing guitar lately? It shows that I care about you. Oh, I haven't, by the way. Speaking of genuine interest, yeah. <laughs> you know who I'm genuinely interested in? Who? Our listeners. Send us an email. <laughs> Tell us about yourselves. Yeah. We want to know. But yeah, we we do enjoy reading your emails whenever we get them. And yeah, we do want to know. We're, Good not, segue. we're not just blowing smoke up your ass. No, reach out. Okay, so six ways to make people so, like you. Principle one is become genuinely interested in other people. Yeah. Ask some questions. Figure out what's going on. Pay attention to little details, yeah. right? If you know your coworker is wearing a particular scarf three days out of the week, every week, maybe make a note about that. She must really like that scarf. She fucking loves that scarf. Do what you got to do. I mean, the other thing he, he kind of lines out in this chapter is like, the more you do that, the more you're um, kind of prone to doing it yeah. as second nature. So like the more you start to look for little things that you can ask people about or engage them in conversation about, the more you're going to do it kind of innately all the time. And it just makes you a more attentive and caring human being. Yeah. So it's got positive side effects. So that's, yeah, that's something I'm not that good at. Cause when people ask me about myself, I'm like, well, they don't care. So I don't tell them. <laughs> You got a lot of in, inner work to do. <laughs> you got a lot of mazes to walk down, Carl Young style. <laughs> hey, but don't we all, man? Don't yeah. we all? Principle two, smile. Yeah. Uh, way ahead of you. Yeah, you can see her smiling. Uh, way ahead of you. <laughs> this one, he even says, like, if you are really unhappy, it can be very difficult <laughs> to smile. You think? But <laughs> Yeah. But just try. Just try. Yeah. Like, just... J- 
and he doesn't go into it, like the whole science of it so much, but we know as people in the 21st century that smiling makes you happier. When I'm walking down the street and I see a pretty girl, I tell her to smile. Yeah. <laughs> and she loves it. Good. Yeah. Good. And then. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're becoming genuinely interested in other people. <laughs> By telling them to smile. Good. You're way ahead of yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> you already know part one and part two. So we're going to go straight to principle three. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. I feel like this is super right on. If you can remember somebody's name, they're automatically going to feel more important to you and they're yeah. going to feel like recognized and seen. I actually had to get on the case of one of my coworkers the other day because this person who will go unnamed, funny, asked a vendor if they could call them by a different name because we already had another vendor of the same name. <laughs> And I thought that was like the rudest. That's so, yeah, it is pretty I, fucked. I was like, you can't say that. This coworker of mine asked the second Jose if they could call this person by a different name. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> that's, that's his name. <laughs> anyway. What the fuck, man? I know. It was, I was, I had to call, there's a person that works for me. I had to call them because I saw it in an email chain and I was yeah. like, what the f-? That's, uh, that's something I'm pretty bad at is remember people's names i don't i don't even remember my own name i remember your name what is it jamie oh. <laughs> uh, so principle three remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest most important sound in any language uh he really lays it on with that sentence saying it's the sweetest thing but it, it is very important i mean it's one of the first things one of the first words you learn yeah it's your own name and it immediately gets people's attention and makes them feel a fun little segment to do right here is what are all of our listeners names we could probably name them all right now <laughs> we could yeah Fonzie, Ecto, Geronimo, Liam, Spielman, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, <laughs> Olivia, Andres, Angaro, Charlotte, Ava, Megamo, Nard Dog. We love all you guys. <laughs> Jimmy, Roger. Yeah. Frankenstein, <laughs> Joe Gaines, Isai. Principle three, remember that a person's name, super important to him. Principle four, you already spoke to. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Now, you, you know why I already spoke to it? I'm such a fucking good listener, dude. It's my role. You're such a fucking good listener? Yeah. Well, I have these two ears. Uh-huh. They're just hearing shit, listening to shit all day. What are they taking in there? What are they processing? Words. Yeah. Letters, numbers, mm-hmm. names, verbs. Oh, some <laughs> verbs. <laughs> Various noises. Yeah. You are a good listener. I appreciate it. I, I, I am often cast in the role of speaker. Mm-hmm. on this episode on this show so far for now and you're in the role of listener but it you know you're good at it yeah i always feel heard I'm pro you are a pro pro listener principle five talk in terms of the other person's interests so you can see that this kind of go along goes along with the other principles right like if you're genuinely interested in other people and you're smiling and you know their name and you've been <laughs> listening to them talk right yeah. then when you talk you can include things that they're interested in and make it from a stance of what uh, they're interested in and they care about. And that's going to lead us into later when we're like trying to get people to do what we want. You've started, you've set this foundation of knowing about them, knowing what motivates them, knowing what they care about. But if you don't do that first, you can't do the other part. And yeah. so uh, this whole first section, which is called six ways to make people like you, not only does it make people like you, but it makes you more effective at working with people. Yeah, and principle six is make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. This is why I really like Dale Carnegie, because he could just say make the other person feel important, but he says make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Yeah, which he's saying, like, don't... uh... Make them feel important because they are important. (laughs) That's the thing. (laughs) If you're sincere about why this person should feel important, then all you're doing is noting to yourself 
the reality of what makes them important. Like, if you're sincere, then it's real. You're not blowing smoke up their ass. Like, everybody is important. Find what makes this person important and remind them of it. You're yeah. a fucking great listener. You're a great fucking editor. I couldn't do that. I mean, you guys should hear what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Holy shit. It's terrible. But this, by the time it gets to your beautiful animal ears, it's perfect. It's I mean, perfect. it's pretty fucking perfect. It's edited as close to perfect as you can get considering the source material. <laughs> <laughs> this steaming hot pile of garbage. Let me just vomit out a steaming hot pile of garbage and watch Tyler sculpt it into something gorgeous. Called an episode. There's just an example. Do you feel a little bit better right now just because I told you how important you are? I'm so fucking good at this shit. Yeah, you're fucking fantastic, (laughs) dude. Yeah. Yeah, great job. Make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Pay a fucking attention to the people around you and care about them, okay? And smile while you do it and listen to what they're saying. Give a shit, man. Give a shit. (laughs) And not just to your phone, to the real people in your everyday life. Talk to someone in line. Talk to a stranger in line at the coffee shop this week. Listeners. That's on you. That's your homework. That's your fucking homework this week. Go talk to a stranger. Safely. (laughs) So that's part one. Six ways to make people like you. Which uh, I think is going to make all of our beautiful listeners even more beautiful people. Although you're already this close to perfect. I don't know if you should get any better. So given that foundation of caring and paying attention to the people around you. Part three is 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. This is where we get more into salesmanship. And arguments, although the winning arguments, quote unquote, although we'll see number one, the number one or the number one way of these 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking is a very important one, which is a a good reminder is you can't win an argument. Hmm. Think about that. Challenge accepted. Okay. I'll win an argument right now. No, you won't. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking try. (laughs) Bring it on, dude. I read the book. (laughs) I read the stupid digital book. You know, I think you might be able to win an argument, but but only if you consider it from a different yeah. perspective, which is that maybe winning an argument is the same as just agreeing with me as you're supposed to do. See how I won that argument with Tyler? Yeah. He, uh. he crushed me. <laughs> but don't you agree with me now? Uh, yeah. The the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. That's really what he's saying. Is like don't even There are ways, dude. You don't uh you don't need to get into an argument to get your point across. In this section, which is you can't win an argument. Carnegie talks about uh, what to do in the face of a disagreement. If you th- are thinking of it as an argument and you're trying to kind of bash your way out of it, you're, you're not going to make any significant progress with the other human Yeah, because an argument suggests it's you versus the person. Right. He says, look for areas of agreement, right? Yeah. Well, look for areas in the topic where you can agree and try and highlight those. Right. Make those more important and more prominent in the discussion than the areas where you disagree and kind of work that out later. Also, be really honest with yourself. And maybe if you are wrong, admit it and you can just smooth that over. If you get entrenched in your own ideas, even if you're doubtful about it, if you feel defensive, you're going to end up causing problems for yourself and for whoever you're talking to instead of uh, just making a better podcast. Here's a good example. (laughs) The other day (laughs) you were like, I mean, I brought it up first, but anyway, uh, you said to me like, Hey, next time you're recording, why don't you take a breath <laughs> instead of like burping into the microphone <laughs> while you're talking, please. And I could have been, I could have taken offense to that. Sure. <laughs> I could have been like, no, Tyler, I make the speaking word on this podcast. <laughs> the burps you are very important part. I know how to talk. But instead I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah. I'll just do that. So it's easier for you to edit. <laughs> Because it's not, I'm not saying like... Well, the way, actually, you approached it very deftly. 
because we were talking about the episode before we released it. And I was saying, yeah, and I started to kind of mention it. I was like, yeah, I could have done a little bit of a better job of uh, breathing and breathing and my actual, um, I forget the word I used, projection and, yeah. and, and the actual speech <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I was going to mention. And, and like you, sh- you brought it in that way, which was yeah. really light instead of being like, calling me while you're editing and be like dude hey, i can't can fucking you... edit this <laughs> exactly. you're burping every other word yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you and you may have felt like that in the moment but you're like no i'm gonna wait i'm gonna find my opportunity <laughs> well to bring this up well because it's not like hey fucking stop burping it's like hey we c- this will sound a lot better if you burp differently right exactly yeah you yeah. said look it's gonna be easier for me if you take the time <laughs> to burp out and of it's not mic. even it's not even about making it easier <laughs> for me it's just making it sound better yeah, it's about that's the thing. You found an agreement, like yeah. you found common ground. We you both know, want, I'm interested in this podcast. We want a better product. Exactly. <laughs> it's not Here's that I want you to not burp. You want me to burp all day long. I, yeah. You always bring me things to burp on. So. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that is a good example. So that's what he's saying is like try not to have your argument be an argument. Don't have it be a debate. Turn it into a discussion. Find the areas of common ground and agreement, and admit if you're wrong, if you need to be wrong, and and you know try and find a win-win solution, and at least make it so the other person leaves happy. One thing he says that I really like, promise to think over your opponent's ideas and mean it. So like in the discussion, even if you get to a point where, you know, the discussion has to end and it's not totally resolved, tell the person you're talking to, like, I'm, I'm going to think about this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to think about this and, I'm, and, and actually do it because that's going to give you the opportunity to realize in a situation where, you know, maybe you're not put on the spot areas in which maybe you were wrong and your opponent was right. That might make the whole organization better. Yeah, because people aren't fucking stupid. And no. So if they bring something up like that, they're not just doing it for nothing. Yeah. There's a reason they brought it up. Yeah. And he says, thank your opponents for their interest. If someone is speaking up, like you just said, and taking the time to disagree with you, that means they care about the thing. Yeah. That's great. Like, you want people to care about the thing that you care about. Like, that's already a win-win. Yeah. If they disagree about it, especially if they disagree strongly, that means they care even more about the thing that you care about. So you yeah. already have some common ground. Thank them for giving a shit. Principle one, the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. Turn it into a discussion. Part two, a sure way of making enemies and how to avoid it. The sure way of making enemies is telling them they're wrong and they're stupid. <laughs> Crush your enemies. Crush your enemies good way to make an enemy that i've found is you see somebody and you're like you know what i'm gonna make an enemy out of this guy just go up and fucking stab him how did that turn out for you <laughs> it sucked yeah i got my hand all dirty what was it I covered broke, in something in blood and mm-hmm. broke my pen there's ink everywhere you stabbed him with a pen yeah <laughs> that's because you said you love writing did you stab him with a sharpie i noticed you always carry a sharpie <laughs> yeah it's really dull it's fat boy sharpie so it's, you must be very strong yeah. To have stabbed someone with a sharpie. Good job. Good <laughs> yeah. job. Notice I'm making Tyler like me by appreciating. By yes ending my stupid <laughs> yeah, pen joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Using the techniques on you. Man. You're going to be a happier guy after this. Butter me up. Yes. He says a sure way to make an enemy is basically just to straight up tell them they're wrong. Even if you're talking to somebody and you're pretty sure they're wrong. Or you know 100% they're wrong. Probably the best course of action isn't to say... You're wrong. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Um, you can get them there using a little diplomacy and showing respect for their opinion and then engaging in them in a discussion and maybe you can convince them of your way of thinking. But don't start out by saying you're wrong. That's not going to get you anywhere. So that's actually, according to Dale Carnegie, a sure way to make an enemy. Oh. Yeah. So don't do that. All right. Part three of 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking is if you're wrong, admit it. This goes a long way in any discussion. I mean, it's like if you're, even if you make the 
sort of mistake of having an argument in the first place and then you think about it and you realize you were wrong. Yeah. When you're wrong, admitting it can can salvage those other parts that maybe you didn't get right by engaging in the argument and making an enemy out of a person. I think this can sometimes solve both of those earlier problems because you can come back to the table and be like, you know what? I was wrong. And that that shows a degree of respect for the other person and the other person's opinion and a degree of humility, which right there is going to make the other person want to talk to you and want to engage with you again. Part four, 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. We're just flying through them. Is to begin in a friendly way. This is something actually we talked about. I, I was working in a, as a project manager in a construction company. So a huge part of that job is communication with other subcontractors. Like we're a general, so we're dealing with people doing drywall. We're dealing with people doing framing. We're dealing with people doing electrical. We're dealing with vendors who are selling fixtures and all these things, right? So we're, we're constantly communicating with other people. It's really easy to get in the habit of responding to an email just like, sure, or yes, or oh, yeah. right now, or yeah, it'll be there Tuesday. But it's so easy, especially with email, especially yeah. in the digital age, to have that come off as like short or aggressive or as somebody's upset or mad. And so this principle, which is begin in a friendly way, is something we used to talk about at work all the time, which is starting out every email with, hey, so-and-so like hello all yeah. uh, all you have to say is hello like yeah, that's exactly. it like just be friendly be polite from the get-go say hey how you doing whatever and then talk about going launch into whatever you're trying to yeah. do just because if you if you start with that even if it's a modicum of politeness or friendliness at least that person knows oh they're gonna put in the effort to at least put in a little bit of friendliness and kindness and it's just so it's so easy and can solve a bunch of problems before they even start i can't tell you how many times i've had to intercede in conversations where Somebody was inadvertently rude because they were just in a hurry. I'm sure you run into that too. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, a lot of the times I'll be kind of almost having the opposite problem. I'm like, I have to like shorten to my email point. to be like, <laughs> just get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You're like too nice. <laughs> yeah, You're like, like, hey, Dale, I remember that your cousin was in town last weekend. How was your fishing trip? Also, I got your report back <laughs> and it's a big problem. <laughs> but yeah. <clears throat> this anecdote that Carnegie goes through is um, specifically about, like, this guy buying a car, right? And then and he had been recommended to go to this place by a friend. He goes, he buys a car there, drives it off a lot. There's immediately a problem with it. So he wants to go back in and have him fix the issue, you know, without getting charged for it. So the guy goes back to the, the car showroom, the car dealership, or he finds the, the owner of the, yeah. or the manager of the showroom. And he goes to them, and he, and he starts out the conversation with, like, hey, I was directed to come here by a friend who told me all about like your exceptional service, your high quality of this, your, the kindness and honesty of your staff and all these things. So I really wanted, I thought I would bring it to your attention that I had this issue because I know you care about the quality of your spot. So instead of going in there and being like, my fucking You car, sold me a little piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, you sold me a lemon. He goes in there in a friendly way yeah. and goes ahead and, and makes the assumption like this guy cares about the reputation of his place. Yeah, He's going to hear that I was referred here by somebody else based on good service that they got and this high quality of like service and reliability, he's going to want to promote that with me as well. And so if you start in that friendly way, you don't come in, you know, vitriolic or angry, you're going to gain a lot more ground. I mean, you just like, just even in that sentence, you see how easy it would be. You're going to want to do what that guy says. If he's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I had this issue. I know you care about all this stuff. So I thought you would want to know that I'm having trouble. They're going to be like, oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. That's something we used to say at Whole Foods all the time. Yeah. If somebody would complain, uh, my first thing I would do usually 
would be like, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. I wouldn't want to not know about the moly raspberry. So thank you. (laughs) And usually even if they come in angry and they're not following any of Dale Carnegie's advice, they come in like an asshole, like, what the fuck? You showed me this moly raspberries. (laughs) Me being like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for letting us know. Yeah. Usually diffuses the situation so quick. Definitely. The person's just like, oh. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're not expecting... They're expecting to, like, get into a Yeah, fight. I expect probably the reason they bought the raspberries is to start a fight. A lot of people come into Whole Foods to work out their problems. Yeah. Work out their aggression on the cashiers. hmm There is something, and maybe we should do a whole episode about this, <laughs> being in a service position, but also being on the other side of, like, a cash register, dehumanizes a person and makes it so that the client acts in a way that they would not act in any other setting and the same thing is true in restaurants as you know i'm sure especially at grocery stores people will say things to you that if you were just two people standing on the street no way (laughs) they would ever talk to you like that yeah ever like i had this woman look at the rest of the people in line and then look at me and be like look at how dumb this guy is (laughs) what the fuck yeah look at what an idiot this guy is like, do you think that woman would have come up to me on the street and been like, look at this fucking idiot. <laughs> like, You're a real idiot, aren't you? Maybe she would have. But, man, I got to flex a lot of these muscles he talks about in this book when I was working on Whole Foods. Holy yeah. cow. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you have to. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's Your job depends on you being a yeah. nice person and making the best of the situation so you yeah. find ways. There are ways. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about them. I know. The sun can make you take off your coat more quickly than the wind. The friendly approach... And appreciation can make people change their minds more readily than all the bluster and storming in the world. (laughs) Anyway, be friendly. Part five of 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking is called the secret of Socrates. And this is something, I actually want to do a whole thing on the Socratic method. But this is something they talk about in sales classes a lot. Not like I've taken any sales classes, but I've seen videos about getting the person that you're selling to to say yes twice before you approach them with the actual sale or the actual question. So it's like, it's a technique people use where they're like, uh, don't you want to be able to travel to work more comfortably? I do. Don't you want your friends and family to have a higher value of you and your motor vehicle? Oh yeah, I really, really do. Don't you want to buy this Cadillac? Oh fuck yeah, I want to buy the Cadillac. See how easy that was, Whoa, listeners? Man. I just sold Tyler a fucking Cadillac. I want a brand new car. Yeah, buddy. But that's the whole idea is like, if you can get people saying yes by asking them questions that you know they're going to say yes to, and then relating your sales pitch to those questions that they just said yes to, they're going to be immediately seeing why they should say yes. Like, you're basically just highlighting. Usually with any argument, there's some some pros and cons, right? There's some reasons you would want to say yes to buying a new car and some reasons you wouldn't. And if you can get them in their head to start that yes and process. Kind of artificially (laughs) inflate the pros column. Yeah, just through, through conversation and through your questions in advance, then in their head, you've got, yeah, like you said, artificially inflate the pros column. They're way more likely to say yes. So that one's like a little bit more of like a sales tactic thing. But, um, you know, hopefully you're using it for good stuff. I know all you beautiful animals are out use, there just use, trying to get people to do the right thing. Use all these Dale Carnegie powers for good. Exactly. Principle six of 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Principle six is let the other person do a great deal of the talking. And that's my approach for this podcast. I let you do the talking. Yeah. And you get what you want. Yeah. I can sit here and listen. Oh. (laughs) Thanks. Let the other person do a great deal of talking. Okay, so I don't know. Have you tried this ever? It's kind of funny. Maybe a little fucked up or whatever, but just being... (laughs) Perfect. Just being silent. Yeah, all the time. 
I mean, I know you do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I, I used to do this, or I would do this in conversation with my old boss a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only did this person want to, I already wanted to talk all the time <laughs> anyway, but if I had an issue that I brought up, you know, we're so conditioned to respond to social cues about when it's whose turn to talk. Mm-hmm. If you break those rules yeah, and you make the other person keep going on the same line that they were on, it can yield some really interesting results. It's subtle, but if you start like paying attention to it, yeah. you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't know. I mean, like, what is an example from your life? I'm sure there's one. I was actually just doing that to get you to not say anything because then you would force me to start to keep talking. Oh yeah. I was giving you, I was opening that door for you, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a not so subtle social cue. <laughs> Cause I literally asked you to speak. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, don't, uh, don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just did it. See that there, there was another example where I just ended my sentence mm-hmm. and I got to fucking fill this, fill this empty air here. Cause yeah. Gonna... <laughs> Cause this is a podcast, <laughs> but, but you can do it. I mean, you can do it. Try try it out. Everybody just try it out. Yeah. Just try it out a little bit. I mean, it's also part of being a good listener, right? Is staying quiet and seeing what the other person yeah. has to say, but, um, you can also use it at work. Use it with your bosses. Yeah, especially like uh, somebody's trying to pull some shady shit on you. You kind of ask them to explain it and they'll like give you their prepared answer and then you just keep staring at them and they're like, and they'll have to go on a little further and they'll maybe reveal a little bit more of their deep, dark plan Yeah, and then they'll keep going and going and struggle for more examples and <laughs> maybe they won't find one. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then maybe eventually they'll start crying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, totally. I mean, and that, crush their you, spirit. You actually nailed it, like with that breakdown, because what you are, what you're forcing this person to do is like is outpace their own thought process about the conversation. People give the other person in the conversation an opportunity to speak, and are doing some of the figuring out of what they're going to say next while you're talking. Yeah. Right. And if you just ignore that social cue to now begin your part of the conversation and let them go to their next part they're not ready and you usually get more of the sort of like what they're actually thinking instead of yeah instead of what they've the way they formulated their thoughts so that's more of a torture tactic right there Uh, yeah but i mean it's (laughs) i don't know you can use it for evil or for good yeah i'm sure anyway but that's a we're getting into some interesting like sales topic stuff uh, in this book and it's uh it's kind of fun yeah (laughs) yeah okay so that's principle six of uh, 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Let the other person do a great deal of the talking. I love it. I love that staying silent thing. I do that too often. It's kind of mean. Principle seven, this one is a lot is a lot trickier, but it's also something that I think you can do as a salesperson sort of immorally, but I think it's something you can also do as a leader that is really empowering, which is to let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. I've had this done to me and then realized it after the fact. <laughs> yeah. But I was off, I've also done it with my employees, and it's it's great. If a person thinks, let's say you're having a conversation with an employee. This is uh, this used to happen to me all the time when I was working, uh, doing these apartment renovations. I'd bring up an issue, and I would know before I even brought up the issue with the employee what I wanted them to do about it. Yeah, what the solution would be. Yeah, typically. But I I would kind of dance around the solution, especially like in that situation. You're yeah. like, because like, oh, we're gonna have to like, oh, this goes a little bit farther down the wall than we thought it would, so we're right. gonna have to replace more of the wall than we thought we had to. Yeah, it's gonna increase the budget. They might be thinking if you're just like, okay, we're gonna have to 
redo all this in addition to what we were planning on doing originally. So they're like, oh, they're they're just trying to increase the amount of work they have to do to make a little bit more money. Right. Like you're talking about working with a client. <clears throat> but yeah, you can do the same thing with a client for sure. Let's say you start talking around a problem. That's a good example. All right. Let's say that the wall that we originally had talked about doing wainscoting on, right, was eight feet. But then there was this other change that made us add a foot to the wall. So then we're talking with the client. Well, we only had eight foot of wainscot. There's an additional foot of wall. And then you can let the other person say like, oh, well, oh. maybe we should add in what more wainscoting. Go, yeah, go to the other, you know, go all the way down. Yeah, <laughs> go to the end. And then you're like, that's a great idea. That yeah, Let's do that. It'll be a little bit of an added cost, but I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. I think we should go that with that direction. I used to do that same thing with my, my guys in the field when we were doing the apartment renovations. It'd be like, there'd be an issue where like a light fixture was crooked because there's a stud in the way or something. Yeah. And the solution was to add a little bit more f- like um, of a spacer on the other side of the cabinet to center everything on where the light is. Right. If we couldn't move the light over yeah. and I want them to get to that solution. You know, when you're in a leadership position or in my experience in a leadership position, which is not super extensive, but a little bit, the goal for me is to get my people that are working with me to think like me or, or, follow the same like values and question and answers that I would go through in my head in their head. And I'm not going to get there by supplying the answer all the time. Yeah. Right. Cause then they're just going to ask you every time there's a yeah. question. Yeah. You just, you get someone to be dependent on you for answers, which you don't want. Yeah. You want to build leadership in the people that work with you or your subordinates for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You want to turn your people into leaders. And so how you do that, or at least, you know, in this specific example, what put me in a leadership position uh, as opposed to these people is I was thinking about the needs of the client first, right? And I had a better idea of what the client wanted because I had talked to the client more, not because I am different yeah. or better or special or smarter. Because you're the guy it's the client talks to. because of my position. Yeah, yeah. I'm the person that talks to the client. So I know what they want better than the people that don't talk to the client. Yeah. So what I'm trying to imbue in the guys working in the field is how to put the the values of the client first. I know those values, but to get them to learn those values, I need them to start asking the same questions that I'm asking about the finished product, right? Instead of just giving them the answers. Because then instead of thinking about it critically on their own, like you said, they're just going to go to me for the answer. So you get, (laughs) this is a long little (laughs) side note, but you get the other person to, to state the idea or to like bring up the idea themselves, even if you know, even if you had the same idea. Yeah. Just because you have the idea doesn't mean you should put it out there. Let the other person come up with that idea themselves, and then they're going to take ownership over it in a way that, you know, nobody being given a command is going to take ownership over something that isn't their idea to begin with. And when you get someone to take ownership over something, they do a much better job. (laughs) Always. So, 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Part 8. This is a formula that works wonders for you. Wonders? Mm Mm-hmm. Principle eight is to try to honestly see things from the other person's point of view. Yeah. This kind of dovetails what I was just talking about. Put, Try to get those values of the other person or the client or the person you're selling to or any of those things. Try to see their perspective so you can understand where they're coming from, what their wishes are, what their values are on the given product or thing that you're doing, service, so that you can better adhere to that or at least know when you're adhering to it and when you aren't and know why. Like if you're in a grocery store, this is like if I worked in a grocery store and someone would come in and they obviously were short on time and they were acting a little bit negative about it. If I could put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, they're trying to get their kid picked up from school on time and there's this big line in the grocery store and now they're going to be late instead of taking on like 
their negative stuff, if I could put myself in their shoes, I would be more understanding. I try to get them out of the door as quickly as possible. Yeah. And they'd appreciate me for it and they'd have a better day and I'd have a better day. So if you can see if you can see the other person's perspective, put yourself in their shoes and then try to work toward a common goal, your whole life is better. Everything's better. Yeah. Customer wants to get out of there, you want the customer to leave. Yeah. Also, get them <laughs> so out of there. Make it happen. <laughs> so yeah, that chapter eight, I mean, we kind of, I'm going quickly on that one just because I think I already kind of got into yeah, it a little bit. And it's kind of like the last one, just backwards. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's just inverted. The inverse. Yeah. yeah. Principle nine is, is really just diving deeper into the same idea. It's be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. So you, as you can see, like if you're not paying attention, like all the first parts like be genuinely interested in the other person's ideas and actually pay attention to what they're doing if you're not doing that you're not going to be able to execute this second half of the book and you're not going to be able to win people to your way of thinking because you don't know what they're thinking yeah because you weren't paying any attention i wasn't paying attention i'm sorry I wasn't what, was, what was the first seven <laughs> yeah smile <laughs> uh okay so be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires principle nine was be sympathetic with their ideas yeah, which is kind of just basically a summary of the two previous principles. It is, yeah. But he gives some good yeah. good stories. It's a good book. Yeah. Principle 10, though, this one I, I really like, and I have definitely made use of this in my time in positions of leadership, which is appeal to the nobler motives. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? This is, I mean, it's similar to that anecdote from before where the guy goes into the car dealership after he received a lemon and he says like, hey, I know you care. Yeah. I just know you give a shit. Basically just assume people have the best motivation. Like, yeah. And then remind them of that. Yeah. Be like, look, I know you're looking out for my best interest. So I know you care about X because it's in the organ, it's in mine and the organization's best interest for yeah. X to happen. And I know you care about that because I know you're a good guy. Yeah. Like, Tyler, I know that you're willing to edit these crazy burps out of the episode because you care about quality content. And I know that because you are such a caring, conscientious individual, you don't mind if I burp a little bit. Yeah, and I'm just going to cut them out of the episode, and I'm going to put them all in one episode. Because I don't cut them out and throw them away. I cut them out and put them in special place. Yeah, Yeah. you've got a whole burp section. And this is how I know you're such a caring individual. (laughs) Okay, so this example from Dale Carnegie is about a guy who's brought in uh, to an organization specifically to handle like overdue accounts that aren't paid. So his whole job is to call up people. Yeah, and uh, just be like, and give me that money. Yeah. Previously, the way they were doing was calling them and calling the clients, right? And just be like, the hey, customers, telling them bluntly, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're late. You're late. Give us the money. And they'd probably see it or they wouldn't. What this guy did instead, he called up the customer. He would first start out by saying, Hey, I see that there are, on our side, we're showing a past due payment. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to call you and make sure we hadn't made a mistake on your bill. Because I know that if this had been accurate, you would have paid it. Yeah. Because you're an upstanding citizen. Yeah, yeah. And so then he's already putting the customer on this, putting him in a position where, okay, this person's assuming the services rendered were accurate and complete then they would have already paid the bill. So there must be an issue on the company side. So they're like assuming the benefit of the doubt on the company. Yeah, exactly. And giving the customer an opportunity to no, get out of it if they to, want to, or gives, get to be the better person. It gives the customer the opportunity to say, oh yeah, I made a mistake and it was my idea. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, just again, just assuming that they had the best intentions. 
Yeah, and, and exactly. And you're appealing. It's that it just is so powerful to do to like make some give someone the opportunity to be the the better person or the bigger person. Yeah. In, in and you get what you want out of it. <laughs> but <laughs> you want to get paid. Nine times out of ten, I think that and that statistic from that particular excerpt, this credit manager, it's like ninety eight percent. He gets payment on ninety eight percent of the past due accounts. Yeah, two percent of them were like, "Yep, you guys made the error. We're not going to pay." Yeah, but then he got the other ninety eight percent of the past due accounts using yeah. that same friggin' system by just saying to him, "Like, look, <laughs> did we fuck up, or do you yeah. still owe us some money?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. In example, just from my life, like I worked in a construction company, so the guys in the field, like certain things, they're allowed to buy on the company cards, and certain things they're not. Yeah. Right. Like personal items, <laughs> but we also have a like a a personal item deduction from your paycheck thing, like program. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you can also like buy something in the company card, fill out a form, and say, "Hey, I want to pay this off over the next six paychecks." Yeah. Right. So it's called a tool purchase program. So you can like buy yourself tools that maybe you couldn't afford immediately, and then pay them back out of each check. So, but occasionally, I'd get a receipt across my desk that, according to the person who had made the purchase, was to be charged to the client or to the job, mm-hmm. even if it was something that I didn't think that was a, obviously a personal tool mm-hmm. or a personal purchase. So the way that I would typically make those phone calls is to call and say, hey, it looks like maybe you made a mistake on this one, uh, on this receipt, because I see here that there's this such and such a tool. I'm guessing you wanted to do that on the tool purchase program. I think maybe you just forgot to turn in the form. Yeah. And that's right? probably actually what happened. Hey, maybe it was, maybe it's not. But even if it wasn't, it gives them the opportunity to, instead of being like, oh shit, <laughs> like getting defensive or anything like yeah. that, to be the better person, assuming, giving anybody the benefit of the doubt, assuming that they're... Yeah, because it would be easy to, for you to be like, hey, you're trying to rip us off. And for them to just maybe walk away are. from the situation. Maybe they are. And, but yeah. then they're going to walk away with a... I mean, either way, they know that I'm watching the receipts, right? Then yeah. it's not, you know, that communication has already been, I have already said to them, I'm seeing what you're buying, so you're not going to be able to like slip one by me. So I don't need to hammer that in, yeah. right? I don't need to go like beat them over the head with that. The fact that I'm you. making the call and I'm asking the question gives them that message. Yeah. But then what I can do is to allow them to save a little face and to not be super embarrassed or whatever is say like, hey, I think you might have made a mistake on this one. So that was principle 10 of the 12 ways to win people to your ways of thinking appeal to the nobler motives i love that one i also like to just assume that everybody has noble motivations all yeah, the time it just makes me happier yeah i mean i feel better if i think everyone's trying to be a good person because if you they go just out, fail because of fear or whatever yeah if you go out into the world just assuming everybody's trying to rip you off or trying to fuck with you then that's what you're gonna find that's called manifestation yeah. bro because that's they're looking for it and you see it mm-hmm. it's true if i assume everybody's out there just trying to buy me candy bars and I'm probably going to get a couple extra Snickers out of the deal. <laughs> Principle 11 of the 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking is to dramatize your ideas. Put on a show, like act them out. Yeah. Like, Don't be boring. Yeah. If you're trying to convince somebody of something, like, I mean, the way he says it is movies do it, radios do it. Why don't you do it? Paint the picture for the person. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like a lot of sales tactics are actually about this. And a lot of like good writing is about this. Like you don't just tell them, you show them. Right. You set the scene, you set the mood. Let's say you're in like a situation where you're in a boardroom and you're talking to your boss. Maybe you're in a position where you're trying to get a raise. Right. Or you're trying to get a promotion. You're in your boss's office. Maybe it's a little tense, you know, dark wood everywhere. There's uh, 
cigar smoke in the air, <laughs> all that jazz, right? You got, you got a big glass of scotch on the table. You got a glass of scotch. He's this guy. He's got a busy day. You're trying to pitch your idea to him. If you just tell him, sir, I think we should add 10 buses to the fleet, he's going to be like, get out of here. Get out of here. But if you say instead to him, like, don't you think it would be better if nobody was ever late? Don't you think it would be better if there was less congestion? See, he'd be crazy to say, no, things would be way better. Well, then I think we should add 10 buses to the fleet. That was actually the yes-yes method. Yeah. And painting a picture. Also, can you picture the boss's office in your mind? Kind of. Okay, I didn't paint a very good picture. (laughs) I was was distracted by the buses. Yeah, I know. Buses are sexy. Yeah. Yeah. 12 ways to win people to your way of thinking. Number 12, if nothing else works, try this. Whoa. What is this? Throw down a challenge. Ooh. Yeah. Bonus round. Bonus round. If you can't get anyone to like uh, up their performance, do what you want to do, blah, 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 throw down a challenge. Like the example this guy gives, this is a great example from this book. I think it's actually a sawmill. It's some kind of factory production yeah. where there's a day shift and a night shift, right? Two 12-hour shifts because this is in the 30s. <laughs> yeah. But anyway- the night shift at this factory, their production numbers were lower. They were only producing six units of this particular thing per shift. The day shift was producing seven. Hmm. This new manager shows up at this factory, this plant where they're producing. I'm just going to say they're producing train cars. I right. don't know what they're making, right? Yeah. <laughs> but just to paint the picture to you a little better. <laughs> there, it's a it's a factory where they're building train cars. The day shift is able to put out seven train cars a shift, 12-hour shift. The night shift is only able to produce six train cars a shift. New manager comes on. I mean, obviously it's night, so maybe it's harder or whatever. Yeah. But he wants to get production up, right? The other plants, there's some other plants that are producing eight, nine, ten even per shift. So he comes into the night shift. He, like, talks to everybody. He uses all these other techniques or whatever. But then what he does, they still produce six train cars. He's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. As the day shift is leaving, he has them write in a big circle on the floor of the, like, uh, train yard, seven. And then when the night shift's working, they're looking at that number seven, and they manage to produce seven train cars that night. So they write seven. Seven. Day shift comes in. They see that the night shift was able to make seven train cars. So they bust that ass that day, and they're able to produce eight. And then the night shift comes in. They see the big eight painted on the ground. They're like, well, fuck that. (laughs) They produce nine. Oh, damn. Anyway, that's the idea. Throw down a challenge. Yeah, throw down. It works sometimes. I mean, I think always if you're in a position of leadership, you really want to identify what the actual roadblocks are first. Make sure all those are out of the way. And then if it's just an issue of motivation, it's a good time to throw down the challenge. If nothing else works, just throw down some fun and games. Yeah. Make a game out of it. It's super. It's helpful. Yeah. It gives people focus. And it gives people a reason to do it. You know? That's why we're announcing our Beautiful Animals Listening Contest. Whoever can listen to the most... Episodes in the next 45 minutes. <laughs> or, uh, three days. 45 minutes? How many episodes are you going to listen to in 45 minutes? Okay, okay. Whichever listener can get 10 more listeners <laughs> oh. to listen to our podcast gets a free pyramid. A small <laughs> little pyramid that I'll carve for you out of a rock. Cool. Yeah. In my life, or like renovating apartments, right? That's what I was doing. I had different uh, groups of two-man crews that would work on these apartments. And, like, a really good example. So I had, like, this one property where, for whatever reason, the guys were were only putting out, um, or were only, like, finishing one or two renovations a month, 
Whereas this other property, they were renovating four units a month. So I basically, when I went and talked to the guys that are only making two units a month, I'm like, come on, guys, what need these guys are going to be able to, <laughs> these fucking guys are <laughs> out, out working you guys? Like, what are you doing? I occasionally did get success with that. Yeah. Yeah, at least short term. That's why, I'm, but the problem, it, sometimes there are other problems as well. Yeah. So it, it does, it can work, but you got to pay attention to the other stuff too. I mean, none of this stuff is perfect. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, man, those are, so those are the 12 ways of winning people to your way of thinking. Number one, the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. Principle two, show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. Principle three, if you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Principle four, begin in a friendly way. Come on, be polite. Say hello. Come on, be a human being. Hello. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) principle five, get the other person saying yes Yes, immediately. Principle six, let the other person do a great deal of the talking. Principle seven, let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. That's a great one. Principle eight, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Principle nine, be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. Principle 10, one of my favorites, appeal to the nobler motives. Principle 11, dramatize your ideas, be a better salesperson, paint the picture. Principle 12, throw down a challenge. Should we go on to the next part? Yeah, what is it? Uh, nine ways to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. Let's just get into it. Shall we just get into it? Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Part four, nine ways to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment, a.k.a. be a good leader. Guys, I will say this section has a lot of overlap with the previous sections. It just kind of refines it a little bit more and a little bit better, but we're going to go... Right into it with principle one, begin with praise and honest appreciation. So in this section, what Carnegie's talking about, I mean, we already talked in the last section about how you should be nice to begin with, be polite at the beginning, start with a high, start with a hello. But now we're getting into the position where you're in a leadership role, or this is the example, like you're in a leadership role and you need to talk to someone about something that they're doing wrong or something you want them to change, right? This whole chapter is about how to change people or change their behavior. So just bear that in mind as we go through each one of these principles. It's when you're having to have a discussion with someone where you want them to change their behavior, right? So at this point, we're not just talking about like generally changing people's ideas. It's about as a leader, changing people's behavior and productive value or whatever without offending them. So principle one is to begin with praise and honest appreciation. You'll hear people sometimes talk about how you want to give like a Oreo sandwich. Oh yeah, have you a heard this? Compliment sandwich or something like that. A compliment or... sandwich. What is yeah. the phrase they use? I don't know. The... Yeah. An Oreo of praise. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but that's basically the idea. Is like you can soften the blow of you know a corrective statement or an acknowledgement of somebody's fault or uh, a behavior they need to change by beginning with praise and appreciation. Honestly, and this is the main thing, this is one of the things that Carnegie really hammers down, which I really like so much about this book, and I think it's kind of what makes it not just a manipulation book, is like, give them honest praise and appreciation. To do that, you have to believe it. You have to actually appreciate them for what they're doing. So you're not just manipulating them as some kind of tool or object. You appreciate them as a human being in your organizational structure. You want them to do something a little differently because you see it's going to produce the results that you need as the organization. So you need to correct that, but you also appreciate them for X, Y, Z, and you tell them so, so they don't feel shitty. So yeah. here's an example. Yeah. What a great podcast. Thank you. Could use a little- Less burps. <laughs> less burps? 
but at least you're good at basketball. <laughs> Begin with praise and honest appreciation wow. before you launch into the whole beatdown section <laughs> of your conversation. And then round it um, out with a nice little... Tell them that they're nice. Yeah. So that's principle one of nine ways to change people without giving offense. Principle two, this is a super basic one, but if you haven't learned it, you're not going to know it. Call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. So this is instead of just like hammering somebody down for fucking up. Let's say I have a guy who installs cabinets in a, in a unit of, of apartments and they're all of the uh, cabinet poles, the handles on the cabinets are crooked. Fuck. Instead of launching right into why the fuck are all the cabinet handles crooked? <laughs> <laughs> I might say to the guy like, hey, have you checked your jig? A jig is like a uh, tool you use to set the height of cuts mm-hmm. or holes or mm-hmm. whatever. Have you checked your jig? It looks like maybe it's a little off because I'm noticing this cabinet pole right here is a little bit crooked. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a little bit better because I'm uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt. And beforehand, I'll say to him, man, you're such a good cabinet installer. I know you always want to do a fantastic job. And then you blame it on the tool. Like, you tool. Yeah. So, I think you might want to check that jig because it looks, it's got to be a little bit off. I know you wouldn't install a crooked cabinet pole if that weren't the case. I know you're not a total idiot. Yeah, even if in my head at the time I'm thinking to myself, like, this fucker, dude, pay a fucking attention to what you're doing. Because sometimes you feel that. Yeah. Like, if when you're in a leadership role or whatever and you're responsible for a product that's getting put out and you want people to pay attention to detail and then they fucking don't. <laughs> and they walk away from and they give you what's theoretically a finished product and you're like, how could you possibly? Anyway, <laughs> it can really get frustrating, but you, you can't just launch into them like that. You're not going to solve any problems. You're just going to make people unhappy. So instead, use these principles. Say, hey, man, I know you're great at installing cabinets, but I know you care what the would, clients think. Would be nice if they were straight. So you might want to check that jig out, because I noticed this one cabinet pull right here looks a little crooked. And while you're at it, you might as well check the rest of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Calling attention to people's mistakes indirectly allows them to save a little face. If they feel better about the mistake they made, then they're just going to take your advice more readily. Yeah, it's You know, most of this is about not putting people in, the, in a defensive position. Yeah. Because... People shut down when they feel criticized or they get defensive like, and then are less effective and less willing to re-engage with you. So if you want to be a good leader, you're undoubtedly going to run into these situations where you need to correct someone's behavior or change the way they're doing things. And, and there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. So. so principle three, this is another really good one. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Oh, yeah. And if you start from that like perspective... You know, the person just feels more humanized from the get-go. Yeah. I used to do this all the time, and it's, it's super easy because all of the guys in the field that worked for me had more experience with this stuff than I did. <laughs> yeah. So, well, look, I know if I put this up, it wouldn't look half as good as what you've done here. Yeah. But I also know that the client expects, you know what I mean? Like, I could start out being like, I've fucked this up a dozen times. I know how hard it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, remind them that they're not alone, you know? Like, add a little bit of camaraderie and humanism to it by saying, by, by speaking to your own mistakes. Yeah. That you humble yourself... And it, it removes the sort of power disparity that can put someone in a defensive position where they're feeling like they're being criticized from above. Yeah. You bring, come down to their level and say, hey, we all fuck up. I fuck up. I did this. Yeah. Principle four uh, is ask questions instead of giving direct orders. I kind of spoke to this a little bit earlier. This can dovetail really well into getting the other person to think it's their idea. Like, let's say with the same scenario where I'm walking into an apartment, I'm doing like the final walkthrough before we turn it over to the client. And I see that there are cabinet pulls that are crooked. Before I even get into the whole, is your jig crooked or whatever, I might ask the question like, oh, how did the cabinets come out? Were there any issues? 
And then that might give them the opportunity to be like, oh, you know what? I think my jig was off a little bit <laughs> when I was installing these things. I got to recenter or uh, re-level these cabinet poles. All these shits are crooked. Yeah. Basically, Carnegie lines out in this section that no one likes to take direct orders. And he, I mean, sometimes you really need to do, really need to give clear direction. But a lot of the time people are going to push back against that or bristle against that, especially in your, if you're in a relatively equal position. Um, so sometimes you can get to that same result by instead of being like, hey, I need you to do this by asking like, hey, did this get done yet? Were you going to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just an easier, did this happen yet? Was that on your plate or was someone else going to do that? I'm like, oh, no, it's me. I am going to do it. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. It can come off as passive aggressive, but typically it's better than just being straight up aggressive. Yeah. Principle five is let the other person save face. And we've been talking, uh, all of these kind of give you tools for that as well. But it's just, it's really important to give someone, have let, give somebody an out. It's not a really good way to do it if you're like cornering them into like accusing them of fucking up or something. Yeah. Like that whole thing I was saying about the jig, that's a great way to yeah. let someone save a little face because like the things happen. It's blame not, it on the instrument. Yeah. Blame it on the instrument. Oh, yeah. your guitar was <laughs> fucked up, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, something was off. Obviously, you know, gives them an out so they they know that they fucked up and yeah. that they have to. They'll think more about it and like maybe install those cabinet pulls a little more carefully next time and double check their jig. That could be the problem. So you get you get what you want, which is for them to take their time and do a better job. Yeah. Without making them feel like shit, like give them an out, allow them to save face. Nobody wants to be disrespected, yeah. and it doesn't solve any problems to disrespect somebody. Like if somebody came up to you and was just like, you fucked this up. They, instead of being like, I might've asked for the wrong thing. Yeah. Could I get this instead? Give them the out, allow them to save face. And they're, they're going to be much more on your side immediately. Yeah. Try this with your server. Next time they fuck up your order, you guys, <laughs> it probably was the server. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know I was serving recently and I fucked up a bunch of orders yeah. for people. Just be nice. You can still get what you want and still be nice at the same time. You don't have to be rude. Yeah. So that's principle five. Allow people to save face. Give them an out. Principle six of the nine ways to change people without giving offense. Praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Just like you did earlier when you said to me, thanks for burping out of the microphone. (laughs) 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 It's a slight improvement. (laughs) But hey, the praise serves as a better reminder to keep doing it. (laughs) <laughs> then you being like you calling me out every time I do burp into the microphone. Hey, hey, hey. The praise is better. One of the things I used to always say at work is to praise publicly and reprimand privately. It's one of the rules I always follow when I'm working with a team is to publicly give praise and privately talk to them about an issue. You never want to call somebody out in front of yeah. their fellow employees. I mean, that just goes against all of the principles we just talked about, about allowing people to save face, giving mm-hmm. them the benefit of the doubt, appealing to their higher motive. If you're calling somebody out in public, all that's out the window. Yeah. You're just putting them in a terrible position. You're basically asking them to quit. So principle six is praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Another way to say it, which is good, is be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. So just like anytime someone does something right, Keep it on, dude. Yeah. Like really highlight it. Like really say like thank you that you did a you did a great fucking job washing those dishes. Today. Great fucking podcast, yeah. man. Yeah, guys, feel free to be hearty in your approbation. <laughs> yeah, I've read it. Remind us of the things that are good in the podcast. But anyway, yeah, be hearty in your approbation. Lavish with your praise and praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. 
It's just positive. It's the whole principle of positive reinforcement, which is where you give them, give an input for anything that you want to see. A person is more likely to do that thing again. So when we release a good episode. Listen to it. When that day comes. (laughs) (laughs) You can praise us. I'll accept some praise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's principle six. That's a good one. And uh, I mean, that's just important. You can use that in your everyday life with everybody, with your significant other. It's really easy when you're in a relationship, not like I would know, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please cut that out. Okay. <laughs> so it's really easy when you're in a relationship, um, not that you would know to see the, th- shut the fuck up, <laughs> to see the things that that's better, that bother you and, uh, not necessarily highlight the good things as much, especially as you get used to them. And I think it's, uh, it just goes such a long way. Even if it's something basic that your partner does every day for you to praise them for it, pay attention and appreciate them for the little things. Be lavish in that praise every little thing anytime they get better (laughs) so principle seven uh of the nine ways to change people without giving offense is give the other person a fine reputation to live up to this is a great one i i love this one just for use in your everyday life right because you could say like to a barista even like at a coffee shop you come up to the barista or whatever and you order a cappuccino before they even start making it you'd be like oh you know what you made me that cappuccino last time and it was probably the best cappuccino i ever had you know what i mean like yeah, you put then, that and then like oh fuck oh fuck i'm so good at making cappuccinos i better make a really good i better live up to that reputation what if, what if I, I blow this guy's mind twice yeah but <laughs> think about think about that like that person is all of a sudden gonna pay a lot of attention yeah to making your cappuccino really good where they probably wouldn't have otherwise and then you can get a good cappuccino out of the deal yeah. you know what i mean it's a great tool. Just setting someone automatically up for success by telling them how great they are at that thing. Like We're such good podcasters. I know. Like right before we started this episode, I was like, Tyler, you're such a good editor. <laughs> <laughs> like this, I, every time we do an episode, I know that I've just been spilling dog shit out of my mouth. <laughs> Since I know you're so floor. good at editing, I want to make you an episode that's really hard. That's to really edit. hard to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that this would be a hard episode to edit, that you're going to have to work really hard on it. To make it sound good, uh-huh. I decided to tell you up front, you're such a good editor. <laughs> Every episode you've edited has been pure gold. Because <laughs> now I know when you go to edit this episode, you're going to try harder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to get those verbs out. Wait till he ain't seen nothing yet. He hasn't even seen how good I can edit an episode. I can make this almost coherent. <sighs> good luck. <laughs> I think that's such a great tool. I mean, I think it's a great tool to use in everyday life because it allows you to get a better product or a better service or whatever. It's also a really nice thing to do for another person to just tell them that they're great. So that's one of those examples of a total win-win thing. There's not, there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's no like immoral aspect to that. Like, I mean, especially if you're honest, Hey, you did a great job last time. Thank you. That's why we're back. I used to say that all the time when I was working at, when I was working in the restaurant, I would always be like, Hey, you're doing a great job. And they were, everybody thought I was being sarcastic. And so they didn't like it. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I need to be more specific. Yeah, exactly. That's an example (laughs) of it seeming like it's not genuine Yeah, because it's not particular. Like if you went to the chef and you're like, hey, you're doing a great job. Like he might, depending on the mindset he's in, he might think like, yeah, I fucking am. (laughs) But if he had just fucked up, he might think like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Right. And you might've just reminded him instead of a mistake he made. If you're like, hey, dude, I just got a taste of that last, like whatever you just put out. (laughs) That was fucking bomb. You're doing a great job. I set that plate on the person's table and then I. Stuck my Dip finger, my finger in. in the mashed potatoes. Mm. So good. So good. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 And I, I've been guilty of that too. I've One of the things from reading this book that actually, that actually changed my behavior is I used to give out praise and appreciation like that too yeah. much. 
mm-hmm. without being specific or without it seeming genuine. Yeah. Even if I meant it, you know, even if I really meant like, hey, I think you're doing an awesome job. Putting out blanket statements like that all the mm-hmm. time uh, makes the your, people stock in what in your um, compliments go down. But if you are specific and genuine and you take the time to pick out something concrete for that person, then they freaking they glow up. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah. you know, I am a great editor, aren't I? Yeah, you are. I mean, this is that's <laughs> real. That's real shit. <laughs> uh, I've gotten more used to it, but especially after the first couple episodes when I was like, that was horseshit. We're never <laughs> going to make a good podcast. And then you sent it to me and I was like, I enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost listenable. Like, what did you do? <laughs> Who's blown who, away? Who was talking? Who was that? <laughs> yeah. Who recorded that? It was, certainly wasn't me. So anyway, principle seven is give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. I love that one. Principle eight of nine ways to change people without giving offense. This is a great one, too. These are all great. Is make the fault seem easy to correct. Mm. So like play down the mistake or the problem easily. Just like you do with my burping. (laughs) Um, use encouragement and make the fault seem easy to correct. That's the same thing. I mean, it's the whole jig thing kind of plays into that too. Yeah. Give like, them an opportunity to blame the tool. Give them an opportunity to blame the tool and be like, oh, I think it'll take, it's just a little tweak. It's just a little change. Like make sure to downplay the mistake and downplay the issue in the conversation that you're having. So it doesn't feel like an overwhelming big deal again. So the person doesn't get shut down. Yeah. You're just trying to avoid, like if you have people working for you or working with you and you're trying to motivate and keep them engaged, like, that's hard. It's hard to keep people motivated and engaged. But if you're screaming at them and telling them that they're doing problems, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Like, you want to keep people motivated and engaged, keep them happy, keep them having a good time, remind them that the mistakes are easy to correct and we all make them. Like, all of these things are such gold for, like, building an organization. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. so good. Because, you know, everything is about people, right? Like, everything that we make, everything that we do as a society is human-made in one way or another until yeah. the robots come. Yeah. At which point, this is why we need to be nice to the rope. I'm going to get to this a little bit later. <clears throat> Let me get through <laughs> number nine, and I'm going to do a little recap. Let them know. Remind people that they can grow. Like, you give someone a good reputation to live up to, and then if they don't quite make it, remind them it's easy to grow. What I don't like and problems I've had with some of the bosses that I've had is they'll hang on to a mistake I made mm-hmm. for, for years. You know what I mean? And they almost put you in that box, like, oh, he's the guy that did this, and define you by a mistake. Yeah then you're stuck in that box and it's harder for you to visualize growth and expansion and remedy of those situations. Yeah. Like, because this person who has power over you is saying that they're identifying you with the issue. Yeah. It's a bad idea. You're going to make people quit. Number nine of nine ways to change people without giving offense, AKA be a good leader. Make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. All of these things play into that, but here are some key points. Be sincere. Do not promise anything you cannot deliver. Forget about the benefits to yourself and concentrate on the benefits to the person you're directing. So don't tell somebody, hey, if you take on these extra $2.5 million worth of jobs, (laughs) you're probably going to get a promotion and a much bigger salary if you're not going to give them that promotion. (laughs) This is triggering. (laughs) Anyway, be sincere. Do not promise anything you cannot deliver. Forget about the benefits to yourself and concentrate on the benefits to the other person. Also, if you're in charge of an organization and there aren't any benefits to the other person, you should probably rethink your organization. Yeah. There should be benefits to everybody in the organization for what you're trying to do. Number two, know exactly what it is you want the other person to do. This is really important. When you're in a re- leadership role, is being super clear 
about what needs to be done. That's why you're in the leadership role. Yeah. <laughs> it's to define those things. Number three, be empathetic. Ask yourself, what is it that the other person really wants? We've been talking about that all day. Consider the benefits that person will receive from doing what you suggest. Again, match those benefits to what the other person wants. Number six, when you make your request, put it in a form that will convey to the other person that the idea that he personally will benefit. Here's an example of giving a curt order. So this is the wrong way to do it. John, we have customers coming in tomorrow and I need the stock room cleaned out. So sweep it out, put the stock in neat piles on the shelves and polish the counter. It's like in some kind of shop or grocery store, right? Yeah. Or we could say it like this. John, we have a job that should be completed right away. If it's done now, we won't be faced with it later. I'm bringing in some new customers tomorrow to show our facilities. I'd like to show them the stock room, but it's kind of in poor shape. If you could sweep it out and put the stock and neat piles on the shelves and polish the counter, it would make us look more efficient and you will have done your part to provide a good company image. I would probably even do that better. It's probably even better when I do that, but that's good. You know, you said, oh, that's one thing actually that I should mention because the way I always put it, so this isn't Dale Carnegie, this is Andy Bosch talking, but the way I always put it when I'm giving an order or a directive to my guys is to give context. So I don't say like, hey, I need you guys to stop what you're doing and go install the appliances in unit XYZ right now. I don't just say that. I say like, hey guys, turns out the owner has somebody moving into the other apartment I know you're really busy right now doing what you're doing, but it's super important to our client that this unit be ready by the time this person moves in. So if you could go over there today and work on this unit, then they'll probably that'll probably buy us a little time in the other unit and we'll look really good to the client for saving the day. And then I also say something like, and if it takes you an extra half hour for overtime, go ahead and do it and get yeah. the overtime. You know what I mean? Like I'll throw in like even a little benefit to them. Like yeah. go ahead and work a half hour overtime or put on your time cards. Because I know I'm stopping you in the middle of what you're doing to go do something else. Yeah, and just also like having a good context of yeah why you're doing something because you don't want to just be yeah put to work and feel like oh I'm just doing this to keep me busy or to keep yeah context yeah. is is so important because it reminds people that they're part of an organization with like a bigger overarching goal and that they're an important piece of it. Like people want to feel important. Yeah, people are important, <laughs> so you should remind them that they are important. So remind people that they're important. Give context for your orders or like your requests because it just goes such a long way. Give that context to your people. Anyway, in a nutshell, the nine ways uh, to change people without giving offense, being a better leader are the following. Principle one, begin with praise and honest appreciation. Principle two, call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Principle three, talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Principle four, ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Principle five, let the other person save face. This is so important. Principle six, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. So good. Principle seven, give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Principle eight, (laughs) use encouragement. Make the fault seem easy to correct. And principle nine, make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. And my little addendum to principle nine is give context. Give them the reason that they're doing what they're doing and that helps make them happy about doing what you suggest. So, hey, that's how to be a better leader. There it is. There it is. So that's Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's not about manipulation. It's about being nicer, being better, paying attention to the people around you and appreciating them so that everyone can have an easier day and a better time. Anyway, that's the book, man. That's the book. Not only are there a lot of good anecdotes, but it's really fun to read the old-timey stories about how people used to treat each other. <laughs> yeah, and also, and if you are trying to manipulate people, wouldn't hurt to read this book. 
Yeah, but be, <laughs> be, well, we already know that anyone that listens to this podcast is a good person, so yeah. we don't have to worry about that. Everybody yeah. that listens to this podcast, go ahead, read this book. You're going to have an easier time getting promotions. You're going to have an easier time getting cappuccinos. You're going to have an easier time getting <laughs> mashed potatoes or french fries, yeah, whichever like you one said, you want. Like you said, it's a, just a lot of tactics on how to be a good person. Yeah. And after hearing you lay them out like that, turns out I'm not a good person. I'm a real piece of shit. No, that's not true. <laughs> You're an amazing, beautiful animal. Let me check about 40% of those boxes. Hey, we can all improve, and it's really easy yeah. to improve. Just listen to Beautiful Animals Podcast. That's the really, a really good place to start if you're trying to be a better person. If you're trying to be a better person, start with us. <laughs> you're, you're, doing, be... you're already doing it. You're doing the right thing right now listening to our stupid, I mean, beautiful voices <laughs> coming through your headphones. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. I highly encourage you to pick up a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Also, my dear friend Tyler Cole, let me know that there's an updated one for the digital age with oh, yeah. nice more updated anecdotes, which I haven't read, but I would love to read, and I bet that's actually a super valuable resource for any and all of you working in an office setting. There's a lot of nuance there <laughs> and etiquette with <laughs> emails and text messages and calls. So, I mean, I, I actually, there's another book we're probably going to read at some point called Radical Candor, and I really want to get into the whole office dynamic <laughs> on yep. that episode. Yeah, just because I need to get out of my system. Yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that. That episode's just going to be for me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That about does it. There that about, about wraps, wraps it up. are all up. Let's, uh, you want to crack open a fortune cookie? Unfortunately, yeah. we didn't get Chinese food today, but. Last week, we freaking ordered Chinese food right after we finished recording. I'm to still get burned the, about this. I'm still upset about this. We went and got Chinese food and they didn't give us fortune cookies. Can you fucking believe that, dude? It, it wasn't even good for it. It wasn't even good Chinese food. <laughs> the whole reason we went there was to get the fortune cookies, but here's what I'm going to ask. Here's Tyler, this is a good question. If you were listening to me today, how should we approach this Chinese restaurant about not getting the fortune cookies? That's a really good question. Let's hear it. So we would say something like, man, this is such a fine establishment. Yeah. Coming here for years, always such amazing service, amazing mm-hmm. food. Such attention to detail. And there must have been uh, some mistake. Maybe you guys were really busy. I know you day. wouldn't forget to stick fortune cookies in my bag, but... For whatever reason. Turns out some idiot must have been working for you <laughs> last week. Because <laughs> my bag was completely devoid of fortune cookies. And wow. I had to use an app like a friggin' animal. You were... Uh, you like did, a beautiful animal. You did a really great job with that response. <laughs> Clearly, you listened really well. There's just some small things I might want you to tweak. I only check about 40% of the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Let's open a fortune. Oh, yeah, yeah. But here's what I'm saying. If we do approach them like that, they might give us like a bag of 50 fortune cookies, which is really what I want. <laughs> <laughs> More than a bag of chow mein, which wouldn't hurt. I mean, I'll take the chow mein. Yeah. I want the cookies. Actually, I don't even want the cookies. I just want the fortune. <laughs> <laughs> which is why you can just get an app. Fuck the app, dude. I want Fuck a cookie, it. too. He who does not expect gratitude will never be disappointed. Dang. That's a harsh one. We were just talking about such optimism in the world, and then that one's like, hey, if you're not expecting anyone to be nice, you're never going to be disappointed. Yeah. I like that approach as well, though. Like, I always try to play dumb. Or not play dumb. I always assume stupidity instead of malice. That's mm. actually a rule that I live by. Yeah. You know, it's really easy. For example, our fortune cookie mishap. It'd be easy for me to say, oh, that server was a bitch, and she didn't put or- <laughs> fortune cookies in our bag. Because she hates us, right? That would be assuming malice as opposed to, hey, they made a mistake. You can, If you still want to be mean to the person, you can assume stupidity. And you can assume that somebody's an idiot. 
I, but you know, anyway. But even with like in traffic or whatever, if someone cuts you off. Yeah. If you just change your assumption about so, yeah, it, they didn't see me. They didn't see me. Or they thought they misjudged my speed. Or their baby was crying. Like you know, you just kind of reframing little things like that to yourself throughout the day. It just is chiller. It just makes you feel more relaxed. It makes you feel less attacked by the yeah. world around you. It's just <laughs> yeah. It's super helpful. I highly recommend it. Despite what the fortune cookie says. He who does not expect gratitude will never be disappointed. Okay, guys, that's it. Thank you so much once again for listening to this uh, humble production of ours. Humble production. We're so humble. We're... Thank you so much once again, as always, for tuning in to another episode of Beautiful Animals Podcast. You are our top 10 people in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, top eight. Yeah, just we've like been, MySpace. Exactly. We've been uh, having a lot of fun putting these things so together. And fun. Especially with the to... feedback and the calls. Keep it coming. Uh, you know who you are. You guys are amazing. You guys yeah. are beautiful. Check us out on the old Instagram, beautiful.animals.pod. Check us out on the old Gmail. Yeah, beautifulanimalspodcast at gmail.com. And I think uh, pretty soon we're going to have a website going and we'll have a uh, beautifulanimals.com domain. So yeah. it's coming. Should be something like that. Yeah. Anyway, guys, stay tuned. We got lots of big episodes coming. We got a few longer series coming back through on some really interesting topics that we're all very excited about. So stick with us. I hope you enjoy the show. Send us any and all feedback, good, bad, or middling. Yeah. We appreciate it all. So go out there, juice it. Drink some water. Stay hydrated. Through your mouth. Yeah. Just just pour it in there. Yeah, man. Just, uh, I mean, get some ice in it if you want. If that's your if that's your bag, keep on. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Shut the fuck. Talk to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Tune in next week for another episode every Wednesday. Beautiful animals podcast. Yeah. Tune in next week, guys. Thank you. Andy, yes. you're so good at putting together podcasts. Wow. Thank you. There must have been some kind of mistake this week. <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't your fault. I know it wasn't you. <laughs> there must have been some kind of issue because normally... Normally you're so you on top of it. I pile of shit like this. <laughs> make us spend six hours to make a 40-minute podcast. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Tyler, normally you provide such amazing caffeinated drinks <laughs> that someone must have lied to you. This week about this cold brew. Because <laughs> I know how good you are normally at picking up fucked yeah. up energy drinks. <laughs>